Hey there, we're Megan, Lauren, and Lindsay. We're three teacher advocates who've been where you are and know what you're going through. We believe that teachers are as important to the education system as the curriculum, and our goal is to support you as a teacher and a person. This is everything your teacher prep didn't prepare you for. Welcome to Real Teaching 101. friends out there in podcast world. My name is Lauren. There is Megan over here. Hello, Megan. Hello. That sounded like a very business formal (laughs) way to introduce you. I apologize. That's not usually our vibe around here. That's okay. I'll take it. I think I was distracted by the cha-cha slide that I was singing. It, it was still going on in my head as well. I You hate the cha-cha slide. I love it. I don't really love it. I I, I don't dislike those types of dances, but I think that one just happens to be like, you know, which is one that I really like that nobody has ever heard of. And the only reason I know it is because it was in that movie Hairspray. Okay. You're giving me a look. I know the movie Hairspray. Okay. It's called The Madison. And I guess it was from like the 1960s, but it's one of these styles of dances. But in the the John Waters hairspray, not the Good Morning Baltimore hairspray. Right. Um, when she that song is in both, by the way, isn't it? No, I think it's just the musical because Hairspray the movie doesn't have like music th- in it. It has music, but it's not a musical. I am confused with Ricky Lake and yes, yes, that's not a musical. There's not singing in that. No, they don't sing. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, oh, it has I've... music that they dance to, but they don't sing or dance. They don't dance in Hairspray. Well, they dance, but they don't choreograph dance to words that they sing a la a musical. Okay. I need I need to see this stat. Any be tell me what, <laughs> what Anyhow, is the Madison? It's called the Madison, and it's um, it starts with a basic step called the Madison where you like – Go a step forward, and then you like zigzag your foot, and then you do two steps forward and two steps back. And then you do these other things like um, you do like a hook shot, and you have to like take two steps oh. up, flip around to a hook shot, and then you come back. And then there's at the end, towards the end, you do like a Jackie Gleason style thing, and away we go. It's super huh. cute. Okay. Super, do you want to take your cute. headphones off and stand up and show me the whole thing? I can't do the whole thing, <laughs> but um, I will demonstrate for you how to do it. At, okay. I would at, love that very much. It's very, very adorable. I like it very much. And it's one of these call and response style things. And I've been trying to I teach see. myself how to do it because nice. I was trying to get more steps in my life. And so I did. You're going to laugh at this. I pulled up on YouTube, Richard Simmons's Sweat into the Oldies. Oh, I'm not going to laugh at that. And um, I did some sweat into the oldies, which I did not sweat as much as I would have liked to have hoped, but I appreciated mm-hmm. everything that Richard Simmons brought to the table. He's a national treasure. Uh, whatever happened to him? I, I think he's like stays inside his house. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's a different topic for a different day. Yes. Anyhow, that took me into wanting to do the Madison because I liked Hairspray and I liked the scene from Hairspray. And now we're up to date on dancing. So really, we need to put some music on, FaceTime, and then just dance together. And it'll be our own sweating to the pop. Oldies. (laughs) Oldies. Still sweating to the oldies. I'd do anything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. This is a copyright. Nobody can steal this idea. 
Right. If you would like to join the Sweat into the Pop Punk Oldies dance party, you just let us know. We'll happily invite you and we'll just get our group. For on. sure. Absolutely. Well, on that note, let's actually talk about what we're going to talk about today, which is student participation ideas. Yes. And I'm sure you've been there where you ask a question to the class and you get the same three kids who raise their hand. And you're like, mm-hmm. I love that you want to talk, but there's like 19 other people in this room who I have not heard from. So um, we're going to talk about ideas that you can do to hear from those other, quote, 19 people. So one Wait, of the- you only have 22 kids in your class? Thereabouts, yeah. I'm sorry. That's That's- I'm sorry. I work I work in a school where that can happen. My largest class ever was at the school that you and I taught in together and it was 36. That was my largest class too when they yeah, got up in probably the same class. <laughs> I know it was the same class and they were freaking loud and there was a lot of them. I know they were endearing, but yes, loud. Right. But I know I've totally been in the 36 class and mm-hmm. oh, it's a lot of lot of bodies oh, in one room. In which case maybe I do only want to hear from the three kids. <laughs> But I know what you mean. That is a struggle to get some friends to participate for sure. Right. So there's the good old fashioned tactic of popsicle sticks or the equivalent of that. Did you ever use those? Yes. You know what I did do that I liked very much during virtual learning? So there was a period where we were allowed to be, we as the teachers, allowed to be in the classroom. Um, And then I had like an A group and a B group. So I only had 15 kids on the screen at once. Because it was hard with the little ones. I was teaching first grade to have 30 small children. So I did 15 and 15. But I did little rubber duckies. So I had two bins and everyone had a little duck. Their name was written on the bottom of the duck. So I would pick a little duck and call on them. Now I will, and the kids loved it. And we, even when they got to come back in person, we just kept the ducks because they were so fun. And then at the end of the year, they all took their duck home. But there are some friends who I know, like have a lot of anxiety about talking in public. So sometimes if it's one that I could kind of tell they were nervous, if I picked their duck, I'd be like, Oh, whoops, that person's not here. And then like grabbing that, that kind of thing, because I do think that's the downside to those popsicle stick kind of things. I was just going to say, that's the one reason I've disliked using them is I could imagine myself being like, don't pick my stick, don't Mm -hmm. pick my stick. I don't want to hear it. So uh, on one hand, they're great for for kind of cold calling and certain things, or I've used them in like as a way to group, like you're going to be a group, Mm -hmm. which I like more, but I have used it in cold calling. And I know that that's one of those, they're called equity sticks now. And I'm like, oh, I I, I don't know if I totally feel that way when I have a lot of anxiety and I might not know the answer. I guess it's equitable in the sense of everyone is getting the same time to, you know, talk and share or the chance, I guess. It's not like the one kid who always raises their hand, Mm -hmm. but like, I mean, as the teacher, you can kind of control that too. Like just because little Johnny raises his hand every time, like you don't have to call on him. Right. And I would say things like, okay, somebody who um, has not read for us yet this morning or somebody who hasn't answered and I'll like preface that and then they know that I'm going to call on someone or sometimes when absolutely no one responds to me, I'm like, hello, hello, anybody? Hello. And (laughs) and then reluctantly, my hands will start to to pop up. Yes, I do that same thing where I ask for some like silly uh, number or silly request. So I'll say something like, um, you're in sixth grade, so I need six people who are going to tell me such and such. And so usually I'll get 
one or two, no problem. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm a teacher. I'll wait for the other four. And then I'll get <laughs> four more people who want to do it. Or our students uh, have a dress code and not a uniform. So mm-hmm. I'll be like, I need people who are wearing black shoes to tell me the answer to this. And then they'll like, I'll look at their shoes and, and do that. And I feel like that gets a little bit more participation mm-hmm. than before. But one thing I think really has changed it for me is how I've been structuring my lessons. So I've been using these lesson frames in the class that I teach, and they're widely known out in the world as edu protocols. Mm -hmm. And they're really great, but they're kind of lesson frames with the idea being that students do quick work, quick but good work. um, And then at the end, they have to give some sort of mini presentation. So everybody has to speak about the work that they do. And it's not like a two or three minute thing. You give like a 15 to 30 second spiel about what it is that you've done, but everybody has to speak. And I like that because everybody has to speak about the work that they've done. And that's sometimes better than just the teacher asks a question and then students answer because then they're talking about the work that they did. So that's one strategy that I've been doing that I've really enjoyed. Have you seen any of like the little tokens? And I'm wondering if this might be more of like an elementary thing, but I'll see um, like say teachers are doing like circle time or something and all of the kids have two or three tokens. And as they share or answer a question or something, they like turn that token into the teacher. I've also seen that like on their desks, there's like two or three, they don't have to be tokens, but like items or whatever. And then same thing, like as the teacher walks around, when somebody shares something, they take one off there. Have you ever seen that? I've, I have not done that particular thing, but. I I haven't done it in that way. I've done that as part of a brainstorming activity, which is entirely different than what we're talking (laughs) about. But I guess the idea is that you can only talk so much. I I guess so. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like a way for the teacher to like visually track who has shared and who hasn't. But I mean, again, I, I think most of us, you know, kind of know that. And like, you kind of get to know your students. So if I know somebody, like I had one little girl and she just had a lot of anxiety and she would talk to me, especially if we were out at recess, if we were at recess, like, oof, she would tell me and go on and on and on. But man, if I was going to ask her to come up to, and I just wouldn't, you know, like she'd come over during small group reading, perfectly fine, had no problem. She'd read to me if it was like me and two other people, but I did not ever call her out in front of everybody like that just because like it really, she'd really get like, worked up. And I get that. Like I was definitely the kid who was like counting how many paragraphs, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like as you go reading around the room, like, like, okay, which of these is going to be mine? Let me read it in advance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you do? Or do you have a strategy? I do. I'll give you that bit here. Uh, When you get a kid that says, I don't know, like if you do a cold call or you're you're trying to invite somebody Mm -hmm. to speak and then you get the like, I don't know, which in my experience, can mean they don't know, or two, they're trying to get out of answering the question. I feel like sometimes it's usually the latter of, I I just want you to go away from me. So what do you do in those situations? I think that also depends on how, you know, what you know about your students. Like if it's an, I don't know, because I haven't been paying attention and I kind of have an attitude that's different than an, I don't know, because this is kind of the subject that I struggle in and I might really not know. I feel like one thing I would do is like, well, let's see if there's a friend who can help you. Mm-hmm. And like with the little kids, like sometimes I'd even let them call on somebody else. Or I'm like, oh, if you're not sure, that's okay. Why don't you call on a friend and see if they can help you? And then the little one's like, oh my gosh, everyone wants to help. So then like every hand shoots up 
And then that student gets to call on the person and then like they're beaming because that, <laughs> you know, for little ones is like super exciting. So I, I guess that would be kind of like my default. Okay, cool. Yeah. The one that I do is actually a strategy I learned from somebody else. I don't even remember where or who it was, but it was called no opt out. So the idea is that you don't let them get away with saying, I don't know. So I would be like, oh, that's okay that you don't know. I'm going to call on three other people and then I'll come back to you and I'll call on three other people and then come back to them. Nice. Or I'll say, okay, I'm going to call on two other people and then I want you to tell me back what they said. So that they're still saying something. They have to be accountable to something, but it's not like, why don't you know the answer? But a way to make sure that you're at least having them participate in some way. And you, I've even done it where I come back to them and they're still like, I don't know. And I'll say like, mm -hmm. that's okay. Let's chat after class. We don't have to have this whole conversation here. And I'll either be like, hey, you seemed really hesitant about answering this question. Or can you repeat back to me some of the things that you heard? I really want to make sure that you're with us when we're doing it. And usually after that, I don't have much of a problem when I call on them mm -hmm. again. Um, but it's that ones where it's like really that heavy anxiety of like, I really just don't want to be here. But I don't want to make kids feel like they always have to have it right. But I also don't want them to just be like skirting under the radar. Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. I, I don't love that. No, I'm with you. That's a good idea, though. Because also like, I mean, if they truly didn't know, they could very well be learning it in that moment from like, you know, the classmates around them. I have a student right now who I'm thinking of as we're talking about this. Um, and one thing we've been doing is when it comes to any type of oral presentation or, or that kind of thing, she just does it one on one with the teacher. And like, mm -hmm. all of those teachers have been like, super great about it. And like, I did tell her, I'm like, you know, there's other ways to demonstrate understanding it. it does not always, you know, have to be just you standing up in front of the class and saying this, like, if you're willing to work hard, do the work, try your best, we will absolutely work on our end to find ways where you can, you know, demonstrate your understanding to us kind of thing. And that's worked out well for her. The other thing that we've been talking about is that we've been doing a lot of this verbally in our discussion today, but it's also possible to do it in writing. Things like gallery walks and responding to people as you go and you can write out your words. It's still the same kind of idea as long as people are participating and sharing their ideas. I think is really what we're trying to get to. The last one that I have is a really simple one. Um, and it also helps to build relationships at the same time. And that's like an attendance question in the morning. So that mm, way yep. you're asking something non-academic. What's your favorite type of donut? How do you eat your ice cream? What made you smile over the weekend? But something that you then hear from every person at least once. And then you learn something about them in the process. That's what I love so much about doing back and forth journals with any of my classes. And with the little ones, I would do it probably once a week just because, you know, it would take me that long to write back to everybody, you know, when there were 36 of them. But where the either sometimes I would pick a topic or like a sentence starter. Other times I would just let them journal about like whatever they were <laughs> wanted to write about. But that was always kind of like a neat little peek inside of especially the ones who were quiet and might not be so like forthcoming otherwise. And then it was nice to just, and then I would write back to that, like I would write a message back to them and we would just kind of go back and forth like that. But yeah, that was, I, I very much did like that. 
practice as well. And so I think it's really about intention. You know, if you want to hear from your students and you want to make sure that you hear from all of the voices, there's lots of different strategies that you can pull from to make that happen. And you end up having a more robust class, sometimes mm-hmm. a more loud class because <laughs> suddenly you've got everybody talking. But I feel like in that type of environment, people then feel like they belong and they feel like they're heard. And that that's an important element to have in a really rigorous classroom. There you go. I love that. I'm sure that there's like a ton of other ideas people have out there. So, I mean, I would love to hear ideas. If anybody wants to email us, if you have different ways that you encourage participation, maybe for those who are more reluctant to do so, you can email Mm -hmm. us, Mm realteaching101 at Gmail. We can share those on Instagram or something. Yes. Give us your ideas. We'll post them on all of the places. All right, friends. Well, this was fun. In true prep period fashion, I hope you either got to get a drink of water or go to the bathroom, but God knows you did not get to do both. Um, I hope there wasn't a line at the copy machine. Uh, I hope you didn't have to waste your prep period doing, you know, responding to only one email or having a conference with a parent. I hope you got to do something that somehow was relaxing while you did not have 22 if you're Lauren or 30 plus children if you're me in the classroom with you. We will talk to you in a couple weeks. Before you leave us today, know that you're appreciated and we know you're doing everything you can. Let's stay in touch. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at RealTeaching101 or email us at RealTeaching101 at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Ambitious Ed. Thanks for listening today and we'll see you next class.